Welcome back to the Construction Mentor Podcast. My name is Ike. I am your host. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, at the Construction Mentor. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. I think that's it. <laughs> uh, today, I want to get back into more trade talk. Love going through the interview format. I know a lot of people do because people like hearing about different uh, life experiences and different trades and different opportunities. A lot of career opportunities that people um, normally wouldn't think of. So today I have a different trade in here that I don't think a lot of people think about when they think about opportunities in construction, although they should, right? Um, and that would be setting tile. So I have Adam Mills from Mills Tile out in Tahoe, right? Yeah, Reno. Yeah, the Reno Tahoe area. Um, so Nevada and California licensed in both states. Um, Basically, specializing in all the the higher end uh, higher end homes, all custom tile work. So, a lot of so skill into this. Go check out his stuff. I mean, first of all, um, when he says high end, we're we're talking high end. Like when you think about like a really really nice home, like a ski home or a lake house. Um, behind these houses are some really incredible views, but um, Adam's work is is very very high end. Uh, so with that, as I said, most people, when they think about careers in construction, they think about, you know, you hear a lot about electrical work, you hear a lot about plumbing work, um, even some carpentry and stuff like that. Not a lot of people talk about the opportunity to be a tile setter, right? So before we get into your background and your history, why don't we talk, what do, um, tile setters make in the field management opportunities? And then I want to take it to your business and what you've been able to build um, in that relatively small market. Can be like you're not in a major city, right? You're in the Reno Tahoe area, which is really a niche market. Yes, uh, I mean we got like we're about four hours from the Bay Area, so you got a lot of a lot of people from San Francisco um, that own second, third homes here, but also people from all around the world. Um, as far as like wages go. Um, Due to the living environments here, we do have to pay, we, like not have to, but uh, we charge a lot. We pay a lot. Um, guys are making anywhere from like 60000 all the way up to six figures a year with uh, full benefits, depending on um, where they're at in the company, their leadership roles. Um, what and what kind of roles are there? Like, are we talking foreman, project manager? Uh, mm -hmm. Is there a difference in the compensation there? Yeah, so we got lead uh, lead installers who are like on the site installing the tile, um, doing that. They're there, and then you got the project manager. Um, he's basically overseeing every job, making sure everybody's tasks are being done correctly on time. Um, and he deals with like, scheduling and all that stuff. Um, that's definitely a higher paid uh, wage due to uh, the skill set that he must have knowing every fine detail and what's going on with every job um, estimator who goes through um, all the blueprints everything doing everything off the computer to get the keep the jobs coming and going um, pricing out the tile when we buy tile for, for the projects as well um, that is a great paying wage and do you have a progression plan for you guys to go from in the field to your kind of ace starting pitcher crew leader to maybe if they wanted to go to an estimator or a project management position so yes and so yes um one of the guys so one of the guys um he 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 was an installer here for a while um he wanted to be a, a project manager he has the skill he had the skill set to do it and that was the reason why i brought him on um for was this role um however he needed he wanted to get his uh, you know some time under his belt installing here you know feeling out the crew all that stuff because a lot of the times when you bring on new guys and you put them into a role that um a lot of guys some guys will like why does that guy get to do this get to do that type deal so sometimes putting them on that same playing field so the other teammates can recognize that, hey, this guy knows his stuff. He can do everything just like us, if not better. He knows the, the book inside and out on proper techniques. He's been able to show majority of all my tile setters right ways and wrong ways because everybody thinks there's definitely a right way and a wrong way on how to set tile correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and no matter how long you've been in, in, in it, a lot of guys think, oh, this is the right way. And that project management position 
helps these guys make their life easier. And numerous times now they'll come back to him and then like, hey, wow, you just made my life so much easier. I was skeptical at first, but wow, this is, you know, so certain people have that mentality. Then there's certain, a lot of the guys though, they just want to go to work and they just want to, you know, get after it and that's it. They don't want to deal with the behind the scenes stuff that I deal with also that my project manager deals with and then also my estimator deals with. So obviously we have helpers. Um, so that's your entry level. Like you get somebody, kid wants a job, you know, because most people don't set out again to start and tile. And we're going to hear that in your story in a second, right? You kind of fall into it. So if somebody's out there and they don't know what they want to do, but they're looking for a job, helper would be the entry level, which you're just looking for somebody with a with a good work ethic that answers the questions right, right? A clean cut looking person. Exactly, and we'll go through a lot of those because it turn you know we try them out when they're young, and it's not like we. I I like to leave it up to them. Like I don't like sometimes it's just not for them. You know what I mean? And it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we start them off at that entry level, but it takes some time before they can become a setter. But they work hand in hand with like a setter. That's teaching them also. And, and, and as you said, I don't think a lot of people realize that I'd say more often than not, a lot of the people that come in don't want to have that management role. They, especially once they experience the industry, because then they find out what all the headaches are about and they want to be that, you know, neck down. I just want to show up. I want to do my job. I want to do it well. I want to yep. make a good wage and I want to go home. So Correct. for your, for your uh, experienced journeyman, you don't have to give me like the exact rate, but what is a competitive hourly rate or salary for a tile setter, not somebody that's looking to go into the office, but but like a crew leader or a foreman or like your ace in the hole tile guy? Like 35 to 42 an hour. 35 to 42 an hour is pretty good considering you're not in, number one, in a major market. One of the m most common comments that I get is, oh, yeah, you make that in the big cities, but you can't make 70 to $84,000 on regular time, yes. uh, you know, where I'm at. And it's like, okay, well, you, you can in the Reno Tahoe area, right? Yep. And that's, that's not a big market. Uh, so those are very, very competitive salaries. And I would say that that's even um, higher than the average of what you'd see uh, online. So from there, you know, you have your people in the office who would go to more of like a salary base. And right. what's a competitive for, I know that um, it's a very niche market, right? So there's not a ton of competition out there what would a competitive project management salary be for somebody that was a PM for, for, or an estimator for, you know, a tile, a tile guy like you in your market? You're 80 to a hundred thousand dollars. Any other benefits outside of that? So this goes for all employees, but, uh, um, full healthcare, um, health insurance and, uh, vision insurance, uh, do matching, uh, 401k plan. Um, we also do, uh, Gat, like uh, a lot of the guys, like the lead guys have gas card, like the company gas card and stuff. So mm -hmm. I'm paying gas on that. So that, I mean, like you take them having to pay for all their gas, go, I mean, we're four or five bucks a gallon out here. You know, <laughs> that's a lot of extra money that's going in their pocket for not having to spend their, um, their own money to get to work. Cause a lot of the guys, you know, basically it's like, you look at it, you're going to lose, you're working one day free just to go work for the four days to get your five days. And so, I think you said you got you have some trucks, right? So I, we have eight company trucks. Um, all the lead guys have them, and then obviously um, we got other work trucks, like flatbed stuff like that. That you know, for delivering stuff that stays down here. Uh, now, for Mills Tile, um, you know, one of the things that I always hear from young people is that they want to be entrepreneurs, right? And I'll go into a classroom and I'll say, "Hey, how many kids want to be you know entrepreneurs?" And if there's thirty kids, twenty eight will raise their hand. It's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? What are you selling me? What can you do? Yep. And they got no skill, right? So <laughs> they, they might look down on construction or even somebody that specifically sets tile, but that's a skill where you can build a business. So Correct. you are an entrepreneur. You are a business owner who found a niche skill. And what, um, what type of revenue are you looking at in your market for Mills Tile per year? Uh, three, three and a half to four million a year. Yeah, so three and a half to four million dollars on this skill that everybody's overlooking and that yeah. nobody really thinks about. Nobody, at least under the age of twenty-five, thinks about. You know, when yeah. they're sitting there in school. So I, I just, I can't tell you enough how impressed I am by like the portfolio that you have, uh, what you've been able to build, especially, you know, with with the story and the things that uh, that you've overcome. So 
I'd like to get into that. Yeah. Um, talk about, uh, because, you know, if, if you guys are listening to this, um, I think Adam started off the way a lot of us start off. Right? Not sure what we want to do. Um, was a fun guy. It definitely, definitely was uh, looking to marry to that lifestyle, realized that he had to get somewhere. And then a few weeks ago, I posted an episode about, you know, the, the struggles with addiction that, that people have in this industry with alcoholism and drugs. Um, Adam has an, a really incredible story, whether you've battled that or not. We all know somebody that has. Um, and I really think that everybody can benefit from the story that you're about to hear. So. Um, you know, keep listening. I think your jaw will be on the floor a few times when you hear Adam's story. Uh, and like I said, I think everybody can listen to it and, and it's, it's really inspiring. So, um, if everybody knows what a ski bum is, that's basically what you want it to be, right? Or a snowboarding bum. Correct. So originally I'm from Pennsylvania on the East coast. Um, I got into snowboarding like uh, high school, high school days. Um, loved it. Uh, thought college though was, uh, the mandatory thing to do, I guess, you know, what else is there to really do? So I tried out college. I remember calling my dad and saying, Hey, the school stuff's not for me. The only thing I knew how to really do was snowboard because that was fun. I really had no intentions on, I never thought at, at that, at, at that young age of like, what do you want, want to be when I grow up? So, you know, I tried the college thing out for, did about a couple semesters, failed. My dad let me move to uh, Colorado. And um, I had some friends that were sort of doing the same thing, met friends out there. I couch surfed until I had a little, like, got a, got a job, could pay some rent and, and uh, just live basically paycheck to paycheck, uh, picked up some sponsors in the snowboard community, which just the whole life was focused around snowboarding and the lifestyle that goes with it was partying on the weekends. And I think you said it. In high school, you had some summer jobs with some roofing and stuff like that too, right? Yeah. So you got a little exposure to getting your hands I, dirty. Yeah, ever since I was old enough to work, I mean, I worked. I mean, I worked at McDonald's. I delivered newspapers. I worked on a roof, uh, roofing for a roofing company. And I, um, you name it, I did it. Whatever I could do to get to have a little bit of money in my pocket to do the fun things is what I did. Right. Um, I think, if, you know, when you tell me that story, I have a lot of friends that, you know, the uh, – drive around the country and live in a van yep. lifestyle kind of like appeals to them. Right. And when I, I hear a lot of people telling high school kids, um, you know, go find yourself, go to college and find yourself. Um, but what I, what I also have seen with people that, you know, have been down the road and around the block a couple of times are that the, the people that let that happen late uh, especially without picking up any skills because you were at least getting exposure to some to some jobs and that ended up being your fallback, uh, some of the skilled trade work yep. that you had exposure to. Um, you know, they regret kind of floating out there in the ether for a long time because although you, you weren't maybe in student debt or anything like that, um, at one point you felt like you wasted a significant amount of time, right? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, you start getting a little bit older and it's like, you, need, you know, you need a job. And when I was in Colorado, I was fortunate enough to like, you know, I wasn't taking it serious to where I I was just going to a temp agency and it was like for construction jobs. So in the summer times, I was being sent out like anywhere from landscaping to painting, to cleaning up trash to you name it. Well, anyway, one time, one summer I, I got put on with a, a tile company and it was just a husband and wife. Um, out of South Park, uh, California, um, and they not liked like the TV show. No, not like the TV show. But that's where they, they actually love that TV show. I do remember them. I'm, I'm sure they <laughs> do. But they sort of gave me um, my first introduction to tile. I had no idea what tile was at, at this time. Like, she fell into it just like we said. I mean, just like by a whim. Yeah, and they and a lot of these tent agencies, like if you work for um, a company that you know picks you up in the morning. A lot of times they'll ask you if you want to keep that job and come back regularly. I I liked it and I ended up taking them on for that. So every summer I would work for them and then I would snowboard in the winter. But then that job continued to be, I would do that more even through the winter time because for, I don't, can't remember what I was getting paid. But was, at that time, I I was able to buy myself a, a, a Jeep, uh, my, my first vehicle on my own. Um, I was paying my own rent. Um, those things were nice to me. Um, mm -hmm. 
And then long story short from there, uh, moved to Lake Tahoe, kept up with the snowboarding thing. But all I knew how to do that could make money was either was if I wanted to stay in construction was tile or the fallback type deal is like, well, you know, I've waited tables and done stuff like that too, to pick up some cash. It's like, well, I'm a grown man. I don't want to, I want to do something with my hands. I want to be useful. So mm-hmm. I, I reached out to a bunch of tile companies in the Lake Tahoe area and uh, picked up a really nice. So you just, you just highlighted something very, very important. What's that? Your skill. Yeah. Right, yes. that you were able to pick up just by going to all these odd jobs and everything like that. Yes. Enabled you to have the freedom to move wherever you wanted. Right. You were at Correct. least able to go to that market and say, I know how to set tile. Yes. Right. And, speak, and then you go on. And speak, well, you know, speaking, speaking of that, that's one thing I tell my guys all the time. I'm very, I'm like, I want to teach you a trade. Even if this doesn't work out for you, if you got the basics. You can take this and go anywhere in life, move anywhere across the country. And you can have something to bring to the table of some knowledge of something. That's how I always look at it. That's how I treat all my employees because no one can teach you that type of skill set. Other than like, I don't believe like other hands on in the field. And they can't take it away from you. Right. No. Like, you know, one of the people in history, I'm a big history guy, right. Uh, over my shoulder, you see a couple pictures of Frederick Douglass. Yep. What a lot of people don't know is how he felt about the trades. He had a trade. He was a cocker in the, in a shipyard. Okay. Right. And he spoke about that. He said, you know, I'm going to paraphrase, but uh, escaping slavery wasn't what gave him his freedom. His trade gave him his freedom because he was able to move from Massachusetts, uh, you know, New York to Massachusetts to Rochester, New York, um, you know, back to Massachusetts. No matter where he went, he was able to offer his skills to people and create wealth for himself. So it's a different kind of freedom. Right. Um, So this is this is where uh, the story really, really is about to pick up. Right. So, so you, you were doing, basically you were working as much as you had to, to support that lifestyle. Reality yes. slapped you in the face in 2010. Yeah. Um, so I was, you were stabbed. Yes. So right, talk, um, talk about that. Uh, so I took some time. I went down to LA, um, hung, hung out with a real good childhood friend of mine. Um, just, just partying, doing really nothing. Eventful. Um, I ended up getting stabbed five times um, by uh, a person that was on PCP, uh, multiple drugs. Um, I was I was buzzed. I was drunk. I didn't take any drugs that night for some reason. Um, he woke me up while I was in my bed sleeping. I had to fight him off to get out of the place and jumped off a second story balcony where I like broke my leg, tore my meniscus. I mean, he already he slit my throat. My hands were all cut up, a couple in the chest. Anyway, finally got away from him. Um, the other person in the house called 911. I was immediately rushed to the ER uh, where I spent seven days in the ICU in Southern California. Um, now, but- you know, I, I think a lot of people would immediately say, well, you didn't do anything right to provoke that. You were you were sleeping and then you were attacked. But um, and maybe you did do something to provoke it. But I think the, the point you felt terrible about that. Right. Because when your family had heard about that, you told me that um, that was a reflection basically of of the lifestyle you were living and how who you were surrounding yourself with. Right. Yeah. So I was in it, looking back on it. I, I don't I was just so I was like so ashamed of me and how I got myself into this, this like that position. It felt like everything I've done in my point in my life led up to that that point. Um, and I didn't want to call my mom. I didn't want to call my dad. So I called like one of my sisters at first. And I remember to this day, like, you know, you're such of a disappointment and it's, and I, that really hit home right there. Um, cause I was like, man, I thought maybe they would help under like understand, but that flashed to me, like, you're sort of right. I'm, I am a disappointment to myself. I've just been running carelessly. For, you know 20 plus years like 30 years just like as just reckless like you know place to place moving just enjoying fun and no idea what i'm going to do with the rest of my life well while they're all back there having getting you know their families together um their careers graduating from college all that stuff well i'm the oldest of five who sort of just went out and winged it um and that really hit home that you're a disappointment from then on 
um, I had to stay out there before I could, I, I had to do a lot of rehab out there before I could get on an airplane and fly back home. And then I ended up having, and I, with I think you said it kind of defined you, right? Like, uh, and I think a lot of people do that. They let one traumatic experience become either their excuse to enable or not to move forward. I think you see that in big daddy. I think yeah. that's like one of the underlying things in big daddy when the taxi, uh, runs over his foot and he uses that as an excuse not to finish law school. Yep. Um, obviously getting stabbed in the neck is worse than that right yes. um, but you, you let it define you for a little bit for a little while right yeah so um it's it's on yeah it was very traumatic um and it put me in a place where I, when i was back home living with my parents so like i gotta figure my life out like and that's when i started to make these changes however i had I had a drink. I would say, I wouldn't say, yeah, I drank a lot. And I don't think people knew how much that I was even drinking then, but um, I was able to get myself back up on my feet, move out of my parents' house after maybe a year and a half. Cause I had to continue physical therapy back there too on my knee. And then when I was finally able to get up and going, I moved back out West. Um, that's when I put my head down worked on getting my contractor's license but i still was snowboard bomb mentality mm -hmm. having fun but need to make money but i want to get my license so started doing all that stuff um got my license started making money drinking i never thought about becoming sober i guess um i met my few i met my wife that i have now um in the snowboarding world when I moved out to Tahoe. We, we were like best friends before we started really dating. Um, we've been married since 2017. We have a beautiful five-year-old boy. Um, now, and, and at that point, um, you said people didn't realize how much you were drinking, but it wasn't like you were drinking during the day or in the morning. It was really just the standard construction guy, you know, Thursday through Sunday, just like I used to do maybe, maybe even on a Wednesday or something after work, Yeah, uh, but nothing out of the normal for yeah, like, nothing, a good time like, guy. Yeah. Your afternoon beer, like after work beers and stuff like that. And then definitely your weekend, you know, you, you work hard, you play hard type deal on the weekends. Um, and then when I picked up some custom, when I finally went out on my own, and can you talk about that opportunity when you decided what that looked like um because you were working for somebody you were going the, the 40 hours a week you were mastering the craft right yeah. and then you had your license which um just for anybody who doesn't know all contractors in nevada and california have to get licensed right yeah. so um how, how did what did that opportunity look like and so when did you make that jump this um this this company that i was working for i was like their lead installer at the time um he was doing a lot of the custom homes where we worked at and for some reason i felt like we might not be getting this much work anymore um due to uh maybe how he carried himself or how his business model was being ran and i you know was recently licensed i knew some of the project managers and superintendents on these jobs and i basically you know, gave a couple guys my business cards and asked for an opportunity. They looked at me basically like, well, you know, do you not, not have the manpower, but are you even set up to even do this? And I was like, well, just got to give me a chance. I can't, I won't know unless you give me a chance. Right. So um, they gave me a, you know, I've ended up landing uh, a nice house and then another house, another house. And I was working, um, I was doing all the install. I'd hire a friend here and there to help me do it. And my eyes were so open to where like, now I got to hire employees because you can't, you can't run this bit. I can't run a business like how these big GCs want it done where the owners on the ground all day doing all the physical work mm -hmm. and need to be running the business. End. And that I was also seeing from the, the past employer that I was working for. He was always micromanaging on site type deal like that, where he had no time for the business part. So that was all getting mm -hmm. clogged up. On you see business. that all the time. Yeah. You see, you see that all the time. And just, I do, I do want to highlight uh, when, when we're talking about a license and your potential client that you had approached when they talk about you being ready. I mean, 
to get that license, you need a certain amount of money to bid jobs. You need to meet bond limits. Yeah. Uh, basically, basically, you know, it's it's an insurance that if you go under, that uh, an insurance company will pick up the bill for somebody else to finish the job. Um, you know, trade exams, legal exams, all these things, right? So you were prepared to get lucky. That's what yes. I like to say, right? Yes. You were prepared to get. You were prepared for an opportunity to get lucky uh, by having that license, and you did. Yes. Right. So that client that gave you a shot, they you do a significant amount of work for them today, right? So out of that three and a half ish million, how much is that? How many they, are in their basket? They're about probably one to one point five million of our. And I've been still, awesome. still to this day, um, the the two guys that gave me my first job for them are still working there, um, and we have a great relationship. I'd like to say we do. We do about 90% of all their tile work. Um, and they're one of the biggest GCs in the whole area up here. Um, they really helped me out, get me off my feet. Now, if you want to go back into the the drinking stuff, this is where. Um, well, I, I just, before we, before we move on to that, I just, I do just want to highlight, um, you know, you, you, ha you do have like 10 ish other GCs yes. or, or so that you work for. Uh, so you you do have eggs in a lot of baskets. I think that one one thing that I talk to people about, young people, especially when they start a business, is, I mean, we we all have our go to people that give us a lot of work, right? Um, you gotta be diverse a little bit just in case those people go away. Just in case you know, poof, they're gone. Um, in both directions too, right? Like you need you need different suppliers. You can't be totally reliant on certain workforces. Uh, the way the more you diversify in each direction you know, the better that you're going to set yourself up. Uh, so I think you've done a really good job at that. I just wanted to highlight it. So, you know, then you get to the point and we've been kind of leading into it. So getting stabbed in the neck isn't the most profound part of the story to me, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> which is which is nuts. But, um, you know, the drinking, obviously, we've been building up a crescendo, right? And it, it became something outside of the, the after work beers or the weekend. What did that look like? Um, and, and how did it come to a head? It was, it was like numbing the pain from like the PTSD. Um, and then, and then also starting on my own, it was numbing the stress of, cause I didn't like, as you said, like I didn't go to college. I didn't have any, I'm learning, I'm shooting from the hip on this entrepreneur idea that I had in my head, head and learning as I go, like no one, my father wasn't in construction. Um, so no, I had no one to, like, I was reaching out and asking questions to project managers I was working for, like even pricing wise, because I didn't know how to even bid this stuff. I didn't even know what you could get. So, you know, some of these guys in the very beginning were sort of giving me like a budget number and stuff. And I was like, what? I was blown away on some of these numbers, but they really were looking out for me. They wanted to see me succeed. Um, but yeah, that drinking was, that was numbing all the stresses that were going into it. And, and if you're not familiar with construction, it's not like you get paid every Friday. So I get, I go from getting a paycheck like every Friday from where I'm working to now you bill, you don't get paid for like 30 days. Some companies are 60 days. It can go all the way up to commercial, commercial. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't think that a lot of people in, in my seat as a GC remember that, right? It's like, no, it, you're, yeah. you're a three to $4 million company with 15 guys. You got to make payroll. The difference between another 30 days for a lot of guys could mean them closing their doors. You know, yeah, if yeah. you're an owner, if you're an owner or an owner's rep and you can offer a quick pay, there's no better way to keep your job going and keep people on site. Yeah. All our jobs now, like we were all 30 days uh, minimum and then 45 days minimum. And then when I was at my, like the highest of employees, you know, I'm putting out 32, $33,000 a week in payroll, payroll taxes. Um, that's not counting insurances and stuff like that. I mean, that's a lot of money every week going out the door. I mean, people, it sounds like, hey, a $30,000 check comes in the mail. That's sounds like a ton of money. Well, that just covers the guy's week of payroll. So right. that's starting out, though. Um, granted, and that's was, a huge stressor. I mean, so imagine like having that on your head and, you know, that, you know, uh, there's one thing that'll make you feel good. Right. Yep. So it went. So that's when the drinking started creeping in during the day. Yeah, a lot. It crept in during the it crept in during the daytime. It took over to where um, it was like a morning routine. Um, I was hiding it from everybody. Um, my, no, my employees didn't know. My wife didn't know at that at that time how bad it was. Um, 
Bob 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 so Bob the uh, what's the what's the um, the way you'd hide it? I so, told you I've seen a lot of guys do this. So when you get home, you hit the fridge, you crack a couple beers, you know, watch the, the game or whatever, just so you already got that alcohol on your breath. So I just had some beers. And then, you know, when, you know, the wife wasn't looking or whatever, slip to the garage or whatever, have, you know, another sip of vodka. But I always had a bottle in the truck. Um, don't recommend that to anybody. I'm just lucky. No. I'm lucky to be alive. I'm very blessed on all the things I would, that, that I've been given the opportunity of. And I almost threw all that away because of that. Um and there was a time, well, I can jump into this now if you'd like. Um, Go for it. I, I basically threw myself uh, intervention. Um, my son was already almost one or one years old at the time. Um, like I remember I even, you know, I, I drank when he was born um, at the hospital. Um, just just bad. Um, anyway, there was a night I never came home. We keep our trailer, our camper out at campground in the summertime and would spend uh, the holiday, like not the holiday, some like weekends out there, enjoy as a family. Um, I have a good buddy out there that I have to go fishing with. It is easy to, you know, drink on the weekends. That's all good. You know, no, it's easy to hide that. It's like whatever. Um, well, anyway, I didn't come home, uh, come back out to the campground um, this one night. And um, I got a ton of missed calls from my wife. And I'm heading finally call her back in the morning and I'm heading out there and, and I'm just broken down in tears and I don't know what to do. And I tell her to go over to my good friend's house and his wife's house um, in, in this town as I need to tell her uh, something that I'm really struggling with. And I feel like at this point she probably knows. Um, I feel like definitely knows. Um, but for me to have not just me to take tell her personally by myself, I need to hold myself so accountable that I had to bring myself to the ultimate rock bottom that I had to do it in front of one of my very good friends, his wife, um, and sort of just not, I guess, make a scene, but just hold me so accountable to like, I have a problem. And I, and we met, I get to the house and I just come full clean, you know, river tears are coming out of my eyes. I'm just, you know, saying everything that that I've been hiding that's just was weighing me down for so for so long. Um, and and how, then, did, how did your wife take that at that point? Not very happy. Uh, I think she hit me a couple times. Um, she cried. We all cried. Um, now, do you think it was a good idea in retrospect to have your friends there just as a mediation? Yeah, I mean, I maybe it was embarrassing for her at that time. I don't think we ever but i think in my mind that was the only way i ne i needed to just other people needed to be there like mm -hmm. for for that for I, not only for to support me but i think to support her as well um in that point so what happened was she stayed with the, my friend's wife um he drove me back to uh the campground uh, where our trailer was i stayed there she came out you know i was and then i was detoxing pretty hard that that evening i remember mm -hmm. having to get up and going outside and throwing up and all this stuff when i probably should have immediately went and checked in someplace it was it was pretty bad so we talked about the rehab and stuff we jump into the whole work situation i'm like man my life is over all this stuff i worked very hard for that i went to bat for to get this business going is now just gone basically in my mind i have no more no one's going to respect me no one's going to believe anything I say. Um, if I'm going, I'm going to go away to rehab. My job's not going to be here when I get back. They move on. It's business. I understand how business goes. People come, people go. So me and my wife talked about what kind of rehab I was going to be going to. Um, I didn't do the 30 day one where I went away, but I did go do a couple week one that was in town where she got to come see me. And then after that, I was did an outpatient for a few years. Um, two, three times a week, which I really enjoyed. It wasn't AA, but it was an outpatient where you'd go. Um, you'd and you've actually never been to AA. I've never I been to AA. I think that's interesting. That's and, really um, interesting for a lot of people to hear. I really enjoyed this. Uh, it was like a behavioral place where I saw all walks. I'm sure AA has it too, but all walks of life. And you weren't, 
I guess in my mind, I thought AA was like guys in a, everyone in a circle raising their hand, going, "Hey, I'm an alcoholic." Blah blah blah. And I, I don't know. In my mind at that time, I thought that was corny. But what I was getting from what I did in the inpatient when I was in there, I was taking very seriously. And they held these classes and stuff, and I was paying attention and I was doing it. My mind was just like, boom! I hit the bottom. I got to win my family back. I got to win my my career back. I got to win everything back. So I took it dead serious. Um, but let's go before I went into there. And I'd like to, I'd like to talk, like just hit on how I was so scared about losing all, like losing the career and all this stuff, as well as the family that I sat down and emailed all the companies that I was doing. I sat down yep. and I needed to email mm -hmm. And I didn't because I'm going to go into rehab and I'm like, well, I can't just disappear. The phone rings. I'm a, everybody in construction, you're a business owner, your phone rings nonstop emails. I'm sitting here, you know, I got emails are popping off left and right. That's just the nature of it. So my only thing was, well, you know what? I got to come clean here. I got to tell um, the GCs, the project managers that I'm on jobs with that I am going to be taking a leave of absence. And I was told the bitter truth. I was like, listen, I've had a drinking problem and it needs to be addressed right away. I'm going to be gone from such and such time. If you need to uh, get a hold of my company is going to keep working, but these are the people that are in line that you need to talk to if it's important, either my, my bookkeeper at the time, uh, my lead foreman at the time, and then also my wife could help explain more. And after the sent, you know, I'm sending this email tears you know just like it's over no one's going to respect this stuff this is you know but that was like my holding on by a thread wish of just this is all i got and say a prayer and you know hopefully because we all know if, for anybody it's gone in anywhere you don't have access to the phone it's gone um and you just you know i got to see my wife once a week um you don't know what's going on out there and that's a big stress part too anyway after getting out I was shocked how many people reached out to me privately that I messaged and were like, wow, man, that's like the most bravest, badass, boldest thing I've ever seen anyone do in my entire life. I cannot believe. I mean, I wish I could, I could wish I could go back and see that email because I'm sure I it wasn't just a quick, it was probably a heart jerker for everybody the way I wrote it, I'm sure. Just just holding on by the thread. Um, and and throughout that, I was been able to help a few people as well that I was shocked about that reached out to me asking, where did I go? How did I do this? How did I get the courage? Um, and it wasn't even about the courage. It was like, you have to find that you have to hit the bottom of the bottom. As they say, um, you're not going to change unless you really want to. Um, for me, it was getting to that point of, like taking it to the point of like, I'm losing, I'm going to lose everything. And my, my family, I have a one-year-old boy, a career that is like on the outside looks amazing. You know, I'm one of the youngest uh, owners of a, of a company working on the most prestigious homes. And all that was just going to be thrown away to a, to a problem that I couldn't handle on my own. But the amount of support that I had from everybody and other people that I've been able to help out along this journey has been more rewarding, I would say, to me than any job that I've probably ever done. I've had, I've had employees that I've been able to help out, and I get more joy out of that than a big paycheck coming in, something like I go to bat for a lot of like I be, for a person that's been there and I know people talk to people a lot like, Hey, I understand, but I don't think if you've, you haven't been there, that other person doesn't like, you can't relate to them. Like they don't want to right. believe you. And I'm very open about uh, what I've gone through, especially with the people that I've seen struggle because they, they, Coming from someone that's been in that such area, they can relate better. I've taken guys to church. I've been like, hey, I'm picking you up and we're going down to we're going to church. 
be there, you know, picking you up. We're doing something like that. We're going to get you out of your routine on the weekend. Um, I got guys that are sober now. Um, I wouldn't say it's because of me, but I would hope that it's a glimmer of light that I've casted into their life as a better, um, was what they can see their potential at being. And I think when you see that and have someone stand behind you and support you like that, you can, you can do anything. It's interesting that you just use that analogy um, because it's one that I use. You know, when you were in a situation and you're looking at it and your back's against the wall, I think a lot of people have a tough time taking the necessary steps to make their life better, right? For whatever reason, they feel like they're either in too deep, they can't back out, it'll affect their life in a negative way. And you were in a situation where it was like my true intent to serve my, my greatest purpose. I have to act intentionally. And regardless of what happens to me, I have to face this risk. And if it means me losing my business, so be it, because this yeah. is the right thing to do. And you took that leap of faith. And it sounds like church may or may not have played into it. But as long as you're acting with the right intentions, it'll always work out. You know what I mean? And when you said that about light, I always say when you're serving a greater purpose outside of yourself, you're letting that light inside of you shine. That does a few things. Number one, it gets the darkness out of your own light. Out of, yep. It gets the darkness out of your own life. It allows other people to see you shining, right? So it'll present opportunity. But then there's other people that need that light, right? They're looking for light in their own life. And when, you're, when yours is shining so bright, just like yours were, you don't know who who's going to need that. And I just think it's, it's crazy how many people reached out to you and how you've been able to possibly affect. And I, and the, and the people, and it's even, even like my wife, a lot, um, there's, you know, friends, friends of hers or friends that we know, like their wives will reach out to her asking, where did I go? How did I do this? Because alcohol is a major problem across the entire country, the world, especially and a lot of wives are, you know, battling the same thing with their husbands and their drinking. So not only I've been able to help people I've never met, I've been able to help people that I'm close with. Um, I'm not one that's going to tell you what to do. You got to do it yourself, obviously. But I think the main, the hardest thing for people, I mean, it's embarrassment. Like that's, it's, no one wants to admit they have a problem because it's embarrassing. You know, you're supposed to like live up to this type of thing. You're supposed to be like a man. Um, and that's, and that's very, it's very hard, but like to see like, you know, powerful, strong men reach out to me for, uh, guidance and things like that is just like, not once looking back, you go from, it's all gone to, wow, I'm helping people. Yeah. You have a following. <laughs> this, is, this is not, this is going the complete opposite way that I thought it was going to go. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, then, I think, then, you know, the, the misconception of being a man, it's like, for me, being a man is taking responsibility for yourself, for other people. That includes your failures and finding a way to push forward in a way that is that is being a leader, being an example for other people. Like, that's yep. what being a man is. You know, your, your path that you took is what being a man is, not bottling it up, holding it inside, and then just crumbling from within. I mean, that's, I think that's what most people try to do, but. And I talk about it whenever, but when, if anyone asks or anything, or like, I am not shameful of it. If people like, Hey, you know, I've been to come, I've been to like, you know, big corporation parties and stuff. And people have asked me, Hey, let's get a drink. It's like, Oh, I don't drink, you know? And it's like, I don't, that's, and they, you know, I get the look of like, hmm? it's like, yeah, man, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't drink. I don't drink. It's all good. Like, and you'll miss it either. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm excited. Like I like it's been four Yeah, I, pu I pulled this up today before we jumped on. It's been four years, three months, two weeks, two days and 17 minutes. Um, that was this morning. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't easy. Um, but it is, was the, it's the best thing that I've been and I've seen my business now go from what I thought was a, was awesome to a whole nother level of, wow, like the sky is the limit for like when your head is clear and the things you want to do. Um, Talk about that. How do you feel? I, I don't know a single person personally that's never mind being an alcoholic and, and going sober. 
I don't know a single person that's cut back alcohol significantly and regrets it. How do you feel physically and mentally? Awesome. I mean, I feel great. I, I work out. I worked out this morning. Um, I will admit, like, there's some things that I've, like, always. So, like, for instance, snowboarding was something I've always done, and I associate that with alcohol. And it's something, like, I love snowboarding. It's my, it's my passion. But sometimes I feel like I don't want to go do it with my wife and my kid and stuff because I, my, my brain, my mind goes back to drinking days. So I've, mm -hmm. I've gone back to all, I've picked up new hobbies um, that I did when I was a kid. Like I hunted when I was younger. Now I'm super now avid into uh, bow hunting and I've picked up new things that have no correlation to anything in my past of what, where alcohol was involved. And I've found complete, I just, I feel like a whole new person. Like I'm creating the, the version of me that I've always wanted to be. Um, so but yeah, the working out, um, just physically I'm there, um, mentally I'm there. Um, and it's obviously had a big impact on your business, right? Like I'm sure, Amazing. I'm sure you're running way more efficiently. You're not having the slow, the slow start to the day or the anxiety, you know, weighing I'm, you down. I'm that guy that's up at 3.30, 4 a.m. every day. I was in yep. the gym at 5 a.m. to 6 almost every day. And I'm sure now that your son's older, I mean, you got plenty of energy for him. Yep. Right. Yes. And, and that was, and that was, that was another thing too. I kept telling myself, my son's going to get to the age where, He's going to see and recognize what is that? What's dad drinking all the time? And that yeah. always haunted me too when I was drinking because it's like they're only young for so long before they hit that absorption rate where they know and hear everything that you say and take it all in. So I am very thankful I was able to curb all that before he got old enough to understand what was ever going on. So he basically owes, uh, knows me as a uh, Don, like a, no, he doesn't even know what, he's a, he's only six. He doesn't know what drinking is. Do you think, uh, do you think that he has a future in the, in the tile or construction industry or is it too early to tell? Uh, I've taken him around job sites before. He thinks it's cool. Um, what we'll see. Um, I let him do what he wants, but it could be hard. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> the so what would, I would love, the, what I, would I your advice to him be? Well, what would it be if, you know, whether it's evaluating a career in construction or trying to find the right trade for him, what would your advice be? Just hard work. I feel very fortunate to be in a, in, in a position to where I can automatically set him up for success uh, with his hands and his skill set. Now, whether that's the path he wants to use, that mm -hmm. will be him. But I want to I want to be a good role model and showing him that that he can remember growing up and having a uh, a great life uh, because of what you know his father has done by working with his hands and stuff like that. So who knows? I mean, he it might be something he wants to do. I that's I would hope so. Um, but that's what about favorite. what about late entry? What about somebody who maybe um, they're in the thirties? Yep. And they just found rock bottom. Should they feel like the opportunity to enter the industry has passed them? No, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've had guys come um, start out not knowing anything about tile in their 30s, um, making good, good money. They're climbing the ranks faster. Their minds there because um, I've been in that shoe. I got that late start, too. So. And I know a lot of I know a lot of employers and people in the trades where they're very. I don't know if you, I don't want to uh, I don't want to say anything where I toot my own horn or anything, but my guys always say how kind and and uh, respectful I am of all of them and the things that I do for them, and I think a lot of that has to do with my understanding of knowing how hard everything can be. Um, where I see mm -hmm. a, on the outside sometimes a lot of um, employers, you know, the the employee is almost just a number um, versus like a role model to them. Like I I got guys that 
I would love to shake their hand one day when they decide, hey, I'm going to move on and I'm going to, you know, get my own business going. Because the whole goal is I want to see these guys succeed. Yeah, it's hard to replace great talent. But at the end of the day, who am I to say what you should or should not do? Like, I don't think anybody should cap anyone's ability. Now, granted, we got workers that just want to work and do that. But if someone right. wants to go out and try on their own, I think that's amazing. I think, know, I, I think I think you just hit the nail on the head with the um, there's a lot of leaders like that in construction. And if you can't find them or you don't have that, I think it's a numbers game. You get out there, you throw yourself out there, throw your resume around, cold call people, walk into somebody's shop, uh, do whatever you got to do. But the, there's a lot of people out there uh, that exist in the industry. And uh, there's an, uh, you know, everyone needs talent. <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you have the, you don't have to know how to do shit. If, yeah. if you have the right attitude, they will find something for you to do and, yep. and a career for you. So, um, I want to wrap it up. Where uh, do you want people to find you? <laughs> Where can they find you? Okay. So, um, yeah, my um, website's millstile.com. Um, my Instagram, though, basically, uh, mills uh, at millstile. Um, basically, stories, awesome. pictures, all that stuff on there. So that's where you can. Awesome. Go check them out. Uh, whenever I share any of these posts, I'm going to tag them. So make sure you guys look. Um, Adam, I appreciate you coming on. Again, and I, I knew this wouldn't be just a half hour. So um, I, can talk <laughs> I, appreciate, <to> you. <laughs> I, I appreciate you coming on again, everyone. You can find this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Uh, follow it on Instagram, TikTok, and uh, it'll launch uh, on Tuesday morning, but uh, clips to follow. So, and if anyone wants to, uh, you can let your, your uh, followers and all that know if anyone wants to personal message me if they're fighting, battling something themselves. Um, don't hesitate to shoot me a message and reach out as I get those all the time. So awesome. Awesome. Adam, I appreciate it. Thank you.